the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book as we welcome you to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. This program is the radio voice of Grace School of the Bible and is brought to you by Christian people who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. At the heart of our ministry is the desire to help you appreciate and rejoice in the riches of God's grace to us in Christ. That's why we call this program the Riches of Grace. We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, President of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God. Thank you, Alex. I'm certainly happy, my friend, to be on the air again today and to have you join us as we uh, gather together again uh, here by way of this radio to look at once again into God's Word and to study uh, together for the next few minutes. We invite you to stay tuned with us and uh, uh, get your Bible if you can and open it. And if you're driving in a car or riding in a boat or wherever you are, maybe you can't get a Bible out right now, you could write the verses down and think through with us these important issues out of God's Word. It's a real privilege for us to have this time with you. And we want you to know that we count it that way. First uh, Timothy chapter number three, verse number fifteen. Paul says that the church, uh, the body of Christ, is 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 designed functionally to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. Um, as we look around us today at our world, we see we see a world, a society, a culture that that seems to be falling apart. Uh, the streets of many of our cities are becoming more and more like war zones. Um, elected officials and, and, and other people in positions of authority are at an all-time low in, in esteem and, and, and confidence levels. Uh, half of the marriages uh, that are performed each year end in, in divorce, uh, causing children to, to, be, to be raised in single-parent homes, uh, something that has become uh, almost an accepted norm. Worse yet, many many other children are in situations where they're abused with all kinds of uh, of evil and all kind of evil ways. From the, the highest halls of, of the government to your dinner table, the evidence of a society in crisis is, is all about us and is clear. And yet, when the problems seem to be so clear, uh, the solutions uh, seem to be elusive and at the least so complicated, we never think they're going to work. Governments, schools, churches, psychologists, social workers, you name it, they all seem to be powerless to, to find a way to stem the tide of violence and hopelessness that, that affects uh, all of our culture today. Can I tell you that all the world looks to America for leadership in these areas? Uh, I've traveled around the world, been in, been in uh, countries in Europe and been in countries in Asia, and I can tell you that, that Europe and Asia looks to America for leadership. 
Uh, I don't care where you go, and I don't care what you th- they think uh, of us as people. They know, especially the people in, in, in the decision-making positions, that they look to the United States for leadership. That's been a role that we've had uh, for, for, for uh, decades upon decades. And yet, while our society in America crumbles, burns, as it were, the people in charge seem to be like Nero, fiddling while Rome burned. They just fiddle around with meaningless programs that, that, that never get to the root of the problem. The only hope, my friend, for our culture, for our society, for our country, uh, or for any other for that matter, is to return to the principles of God's Word. It's God, it's the God of the Bible that ordained and instituted society and human government. And it's His principles that allow society to operate properly. And it's the, it's the residence of a maximum amount of Bible doctrine in, a, in, in the populace, in the understanding of people, that produces liberty and freedom and a properly functioning world about us. It's fascinating as a Bible student and as a Bible believer. When you look at the Bible, especially the book of Genesis, as God created and placed man on the earth, he gave four specific institutions to govern how man was to function on the planet. And he gave these four institutions to produce an an orderly, God-honoring culture and society among mankind. And it's only by returning to these four basic institutions and returning to them and functioning in them the way God designed them to function, only then can, can our world about us be what God intended it to be. You have to remember that God is the one that created society. Uh, and, and it's he who knows how it's going to function. Now, none of these four institutions are going to function perfectly until Jesus Christ comes and sets up his kingdom. I understand that. But when you and I understand what the root causes, where the, where the root sources of stability in a culture are, and as believers, we understand how God has designed us to affect each one of these four institutions, then we know how we can live our lives in a way that produces a maximum impact in the culture about us. These institutions are four of them. Volition, marriage, family, and the human government, uh, specifically nationalism. Volition, the act of, uh, of willing, the act of determining choice, of forming a purpose, the power of willing and determining, the dictionary says. When we say that God gave man volition, we're saying they gave him the right to choose based upon his own will. You see, God didn't create puppets uh, that, that he just simply manipulates and forces into certain actions. He created creatures with a free will to make choices about their own actions. And this institution of volition is the first conversation God had with man in Genesis chapter number 2. In the Garden of Eden, the Lord took man, the Bible says, and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He gave him a job, gave him a function. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now you notice that God gave man a responsibility to make a choice. He didn't prevent man from eating the tree. He didn't build a fence around the tree. He didn't didn't chain man away from it. God could have dug a, a put could have put a wall around the tree. Could have put a moat around the tree <laughs> where man couldn't get to it. He didn't do that. He didn't even put the uh, you know the fact is he didn't have to put the tree in the garden to start with, did he? <laughs> well, he did. Well, why did he? Well, he put it in the garden because. He was giving man the opportunity and the obligation to make a choice. You see, Adam and Eve had to make a choice of their own will about whether or not they would eat the fruit of the tree, whether or not they would obey God or not, trust God's goodness or not. Now, in hindsight, we know what the decision was, but that doesn't diminish the fact that at the time they faced that tree, they had a choice, a real choice to make. They weren't coerced into making the choice one way or the other. They, they made the choice on their own free will, their own volition. And when they made the choice, God had instructed Adam. He, told, he tells him in the day that if you eat of the tree, don't eat of the tree of the garden. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Adam understood clearly that there was a consequence to his action, to his choice. If he chose to eat the fruit, that God told him not to. If he chose to disobey God, he's going to die. Uh, if he didn't choose to eat it, chose to obey God, he'd live. You see, Adam was being taught by God that his volition with it, with his ability to choose, came accountability, came responsibility. He's free to choose, so he's held accountable for the choices that he makes. Now, my friend, that issue of accountability that issue of free will, that issue of volition. God says to Israel, he says, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. <laughs> no question, God wants you to choose life. But you're obligated to choose. And when you make the choice, then you are accountable. There are specific consequences based on the decision you make. You sow a seed and you reap a consequence. You see, we're responsible to make choices and to be accountable for the decisions we've made. Now, there are a lot of folks that, that, that they love the idea of being free to choose. You know, we want to be free to, to, to go out and do whatever we want to do, be promiscuous, uh, and, and, and not have the accountability of, of, of babies or sexually transmitted diseases. So we desire, devise abortion and safe sex, so-called, all that business. We want to be free to do what we want, when we want to do it. But we, we don't want to have the accountability of paying for it, so we devise excuses for, you know, uh, uh, the poor and downtrodden and make ourselves victims when we're really not victims of anything but our own volition. So the first basic fundamental principle and in, in building block of society is your personal volition. Your responsibility to make decisions, to choose the course of your life, and then to be accountable for the decisions you make. Now, the second of God's building blocks, the second institution built upon your volition, is the institution of marriage. 
In Genesis chapter 2, you know the story about how God took the took Adam and, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and, and closed the flesh thereof instead uh, thereof and, 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 and the rib which God had taken from man he made a woman and brought her to the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bones flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she's taken out of man therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and they shall be one flesh Adam articulated the understanding that God gave him about what marriage was to be. God created marriage. It came off the drawing board of heaven. No man developed this idea. God did. Now, he did it for a very specific reason. Uh, there was no helpmate uh, uh, help found for Adam in all of all, all the creatures in the earth. Um, he brought them before Adam, and Adam had named them. And Adam didn't need the animals that God created. He had no need for them. Now, you know, they, they, they were useful, but he didn't need them. They were interesting and intriguing, but he didn't need any of them. If somebody says a dog's man's best friend, but the fact is you can get along without, without a dog. <laughs> uh, God needed to create a creature that Adam would need and that would need him in return. And he did it in order to solve a problem that Adam had. The Lord saw that it wasn't good that man should be alone. He was disconnected. He was by himself. And God wanted to teach Adam the principle of living for others, living in marriage. Now, marriage is the application, and it was for Adam. It's a simply, a, essentially, it's a decision to identify yourself with another person and to adopt a team approach to life and approach the life where you live for the other person, not just for yourself. Now, you have to think about the Godhead. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All three members of the Godhead live for each other. No member of the Godhead lives just for himself. I've said many times that the problem with sin is, is the middle letter. The middle letter of the word sin, the middle letter of the word pride, that's your problem. That's my problem. We live for ourself. We, we function for ourselves. We seek to serve ourselves. What you learn in marriage is you make a choice to die to singleness in order to live to this new life of, of marriage and in love serve one another. You, a man leaves his father and mother. There's a leaving. There's a cleaving where you are alive under this new relationship, this new life, and then you become one flesh. There's a, a, a loving and a serving of one another. Now, marriage is a decision. It's a covenant of companionship. But you enter into it by a choice that you make to enter into these roles of husband and the role of wife wherein you decide to identify with another person and adopt a team approach to life where before it was, if I win, you lose. Now it's, if I lose, my partner loses. If my partner wins, I win. And you learn to live the divine principle of life where you live for others. God the Father lives to glorify the Son. God the Son lives to glorify God the Father. God, the Holy Spirit, when he speaks, is to glorify the Son. They all live for one another, freely and by choice. Marriage 
is, a, is an institution that God designed in your life. If you're married today, it's designed for the purpose of putting in you, you into a relationship where you live, where you choose to live on the team basis, on living for and serving your spouse. And a husband's design, a husband's role is to serve his wife, and a wife's role is to serve her husband. That's the role and the function of marriage. And those roles and those functions bring about a completeness to the relationship of of, of life as a husband and wife. Can I say to you that um, the one thing that God designed to take place in marriage and nowhere else is the sexual relationships. You can have companionship. You can have every other relation in, in life without marriage. But marriage is designed to make you one flesh. And that's more than just a physical thing. Uh, for example, if you take red and blue, two different colors, you put them together, you get purple. <laughs> Red's my, my wife's favorite color. Blue's my favorite color. You put us together, and you get purple. You know what we are? We're purple. Now, you can say, well, I don't want to be married anymore, but when you go away from that marriage, you know what you do? You can't take red out of that. You don't go away red. You can't take blue out of it. You don't go away blue. You go away purple because it changes your life. That basic foundation block of society of volition chooses to enter into a relationship with others called marriage, and then that produces family. He told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the family is where children are not just produced, because you can produce children without marriage, but it's where they are produced, where they are nurtured, where they are instructed in the ways and the will of God. Ephesians 6 verse 4, Paul says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You see, a, a dad's responsibility is to not provoke his children to wrath. It's the law that works wrath. Live the grace life in your family. Let your children, teach your children, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition. Let them see in you the life, the grace life, the character and the nature, the actions and the will of Jesus Christ living in you as you and your life function together in the marriage relationship. And then you bring them up you take them with you. That isn't you sending them somewhere, Dad. That's you bringing them with you. See that? Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord in the family. That's where, you see, it's the family above all other things. I don't care about the school and, 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 and society or even the church. It starts in the home. It starts in the family. And that institution of the family where you where the parents, godly parents living, having Christ living in and through them, teach their children what it is to live for others, for one another, to have the grace life living in and through them. Same way with Israel under the law, they were to teach the law life to, to their children. It's the parents' responsibility to transmit the understanding of the will and the ways of God to the next generation. Robert Bork wrote a book uh, about uh, uh, about this, and he's got that famous quote where he says, every generation, there's a, there, there, every year there's a group, of, a generation of young savages born who need to be civilized <laughs> by the institutions, by, by the home, the churches, and, and, and the schools. 
and that, that civilizing process, that educating process in the way and will of God, that's something a home is designed for. Mister, you need to focus your home on that. Lady, you need to focus your home on that. Not on getting new drapes, not on getting china and a bigger house, but on that, on the, the, the family life that's in whatever building you happen to live in. The fourth institution is government. You see that in, in, in Genesis chapter 9. The flood demonstrated that, 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 that without a government structure, governmental structure to restrain violent, the violent nature of man, that violence would fill the earth. It did. And when Noah stepped out on the earth after the flood, the first thing God did was repeat the commission that he gave Adam. He blessed Noah and his family and said, Be fruitful and replenish the earth. But then he added to the first three institutions one other, and that was the institution of human government. Paul says in Romans 13 that the powers that be are ordained of God. And he's talking there about governmental powers and governmental structure. And the government is designed, in God's, when God designed it, to restrain violence and to provide um, the, the, for peaceful existence of people and culture. And in Genesis 10, he divided up men in national entities. And nationalism, the, 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 the dividing of borders. And you see, what, what nationalism does is it provides borders where, where tyranny can't spread over the whole planet. Because if, if you live in a country where there's tyranny, you can flee across the border into another nation where there's liberty and be protected from it. And so God set this system up. Government was not designed to be the, the be-all and end-all and provider and the big brother. It was designed to restrain the evil impulses and the violent nature and the sinful activities of man and to allow for a peaceful life where you could make choices in your own life, choose a mate, choose a life mate, a spouse, and then raise a family that would know and do the will of God. Now, Ephesians chapter number 6, there's a fascinating thing in Ephesians 6 about Paul's instructions, when, in, in Ephesians 5 and 6 rather, when he says in Ephesians 5.18 that we should be filled with the Spirit. Immediately he begins to, to describe the places where you are to be filled with the Spirit. Now think about this. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says in 5.22, he addresses wives and husbands, 6.1 and 4, children and fathers. Well, that's the, the personal choice to be filled with the Spirit. That's your volition. You as a believer, and you and I as believers, are to exercise our volition to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? It means to be filled with the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It means to have your life controlled by the love and grace of God revealed through His Word. Have God's Spirit, who, who wrote the book, God's Spirit works through His Word. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit, they are life. God's Spirit works through His Word. When you believe His Word, the Word of God works effectually in you to believe. So you make a conscious choice of faith to rely upon an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you. That produces life in your family, the marriage, wives, husband, family, children, fathers, and then servants and masters, that's culture out about you. You see, you and I as members of the body of Christ are designed to live in the light of who we are, and that has an impact upon the world about us. Society can only be changed by the truth of God's word. 
living in his people being preached through it. It won't be changed by your political actions and your social actions and your 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 protest and your your political things. It'll be changed by the truth of God's word by you making a personal choice to take an intelligent understanding of God's Word. How do you get that? That's what rightly dividing the Word is all about. That's the function of a local church, is to give you an understanding of God's Word so that you can take that intelligent understanding of God's Word and apply it to the details of your life, apply it in your marriage, apply it by choosing a mate according to that understanding, by functioning as a husband or a wife in those roles according to that understanding, raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord with the knowledge of the will and way of God, and then that affecting your neighbors, your neighborhood, and your community, and your world. You see, it's the grace life the living of the identity that God has given you in His Son in Christ that produces the pillar and the ground of truth in the world about us. That comes. It all begins with that issue of your volition. Your faith resting in an intelligent understanding of what God says in His Word to you. Let me offer you a free Bible study tape that will help you with that. The tape's entitled, Can America Be Saved? You know, my friend, as a member of the body of Christ, as a believer today, we have a role to play um, to be the pillar and the ground of truth in the world. And how we do it is important. This Bible study tape will help you with that. Can America be saved? To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at the, at, at the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a, we have a rather uniquely designed three-year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is, is unique in, in several ways. First, we, we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather, rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we, we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way and, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another, another uniqueness of, of Grace School of the Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of a video. In other words, we, we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us. And what that does is allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the, and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are. If you are or you have ever desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. 
And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio, and I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God rightly divided and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the rightly divided Word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me. And we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And, friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know, and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that will make the way plain. That number again is 888-535-2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.